Welcome back to another impactful night of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 96. I'm your host, ID3, Friday, Zone 3rd. Tonight's panelists are Lamitra Off, Buddy Thor, Neil Gibbs, and Angelique Benoit. Lamitra Off, please say hello to the people. Hello, 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 audience. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. And Buddy Thornton, please say hello to the people. It is always an honor and a privilege to be on with my esteemed panel mate. I cannot think of a better place to be than right here, right now. And Janelle Gibbs, say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. I have to ditto Buddy on that one. It's always exciting to be here. And Angelique Benoit. Well, tonight, tonight's, tonight's topic is one of empowerment. And that is making an impression while becoming a better you. Making an impression while becoming a better you. Countless people say that you only have one chance to make a first impression. And that saying is so true in many situations. From job interviews to sell calls, you name it. So, in the realm of job searching, professional development is so important. And so is leadership coaching. This is why we have the panelists here tonight. These leadership coaches, they tend to make sure they teach their students how to start on the right foot. And in every scenario, they teach them this. How they do it? By coaching them as to how and when they should say something. And what should they say? Whether at an event, at a business development meeting, or any other professional setting, how you must act is essential. And leadership coaching is that toolkit that meets that need. In order to have a great meeting and to be remembered in the right way, at the same time, and submitting an extraordinary reputation in the minds of some of those most prestigious colleagues. In this discussion tonight, we will discuss some essential tips, tools, and making a positive impression while becoming, while becoming and sustaining a better you. I'm gonna go to Angelique Benoit. Angelique is from out of Canada. She has, well, let me just say this. She is a noted medical specialist and she works in the realm of mental health. Can you share with us, the listening audience, on how you how you look at the influences of communication inflections and tones. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast and to be a part of this panelist. Um, I'm really, really um, honored to be here, so thank you again. This question I found to be a really interesting one um, and a very important, important one, especially these times when... We are, well, I guess things are opening up and we're starting to have more face-to-face interactions. However, there definitely 
is more communications virtually um, and via phone. So the tone that we use um, and knowing how it could impact the, the conversation, the productivity of the conversation, um, and the way that we feel, right? How we actually emotionally and mentally feel after uh, and during conversations is, is a really important one. And this really is important also because naturally we have this negative bias it's a way our brain works that we tend to recall and remember our negative interactions so much more than we do our positive ones so it just highlights again the, the importance of this question that you pose so how does one use it you're, you're asking me specifically how and um my one way that I would like to emphasize is being very much more mindful in our conversations, right? Um, there, there's different components to um, a, a conversation. There's an implicit component, right, where that essentially is kind of like how that person or the people view their positioning, in that that conversation in that interaction um is there a is there a um a belief that judgment can be placed right or that you should feel a particular way if you're inferior to the person so that you can't say certain things or maybe you feel you know superior where you feel you are entitled to speak to the person in any way shape or form based on whatever factors whether it's age or position or whatever it could be also, there's an emotional component, meaning and simply saying is that we let our emotions lead the conversations. And that can that's usually done in a very mindless way, and it can be very harmful. And like you, you put it so nicely in regards to being the, having the feeling of disrespect to the person, as well as um, an element of feeling regret after the conversation. Um, because usually the, the intention of the tone that may not be positive is that you're really hoping that you get a particular message across or you're really hoping that the person is going to be in agreement or do whatever it is that you're saying in that conversation. So that's my first tip. One is to pay attention to what you really want in the messaging, right? Especially when you find yourself moving towards more negative tones whether that's sarcasm, um, whether that is um, raising your voice, whether that's irritability, whatever that is. Two is to be aware of your, your biases. We all have biases. So just pay attention to what's your bias in regards to this particular topic, especially if it's a crucial conversation, right? What is your bias about this conversation, how you anticipate it's going to be, as well as in regards to your biases towards the person or the people that you're going to be interacting with? Right. The third is be open to finding ways to relax your body. Right. Um, the way you you feel in your body is going to impact your tone. It's going to impact the way your messaging comes across. Right. So if you can implement some type of relaxation strategy um, prior, as well as learn different grounding techniques that are subtle during. It will help you to remain present and it will decrease the risk of you saying something in a way that will lead to regret for you as well as leading for the other person feeling disrespectful and really possibly avoiding um, communicating with you again in the future, right? Um, 
And another reason or another tip is just keep in mind that the more that you could lead by example, it positions you to then also um, voice if you notice in your interactions that the other person is using tones that make you feel uncomfortable. If you are implementing these strategies and trying your best to be very mindful of the way you speak and the way you ask questions and check in, um, your position to kind of ask the other person or highlight to them that they are not being successful in doing that, right? It's, it's hard to kind of voice that when you are also not even leading by example. So that's my other tip. And the final thing, and I know the question was about specifically how communicating with others but I just wanted to point out it's also being mindful of the way you are talking to yourself your self dialogue that inner self talk because if it is harsh and negative it could impact the way you then express yourself when you're having a conversation with somebody else right because um, it can just position yourself in that whole mind-body connect and, and the behavior that comes from that can be a non-productive one. And once again, I just want to say thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to, um, to share some of my thoughts about the, the topic that you presented here. Absolutely. I, I, knew, I knew you were the right person to go to to, to, bring, that, to bring that home. Oh, uh, wow. Let me go back to Lamita. Lamita, I said I was going to go back to you, and I am. How do you sell yourself without overdoing it? That, I think that's a question that we, we want to know. Well, that's a very good question because overdoing it is very subjective <laughs> to each person. And it's also, for lack of a better word, it could be a judgment, a judgmental question, answer, statement. The only thing that anyone can ever be is authentically them. In my case, that I can only be authentically me. Reading the room is a part of that. <laughs> and for me, one of my strongest assets would be to listen. With that being said, Janelle Gibbs, please say hello to the listener audience and tell them a little bit about who you are and what you're doing currently. Absolutely. So uh, my name is Janelle Gibbs, as mentioned earlier, and I'm with Harvey Nexus. We are a 501c organization and our mission is to alleviate unemployment and help to reduce poverty in the community. So that's who we are and what we do. Thank you for that. Janelle, my question for you, Janelle Gibbs, when talking about stereotypes, because we've had a great discussion tonight, and I'm just going to continue to get even better if you can believe that right. But what's a way a stereotype can affect a first impression, right? And what I mean by that is by making people sort of expect uh, a certain behavior from a certain person or can, can a first impression can a first is it possible I guess that's a question to ask you after you made a first impression and it didn't go quite well maybe you were nervous maybe you didn't know you know the room you're in but can a first is it possible for a first impression to be changed? I think that's a good question. Is it possible for a first impression to be changed? Sure, absolutely. So that's a great question. And I'm always about first impressions, right? So the long and short of it is absolutely first impressions can be changed. And I know that might be, you know, an unpopular opinion in some cases, 
But let me share this with you. You know, I always like to start off with the definitions for clarity and perspective of things. So I'll start off with the definition of stereotypes. So in social psychology, uh, a stereotype is a generalized belief about a particular category of people. And it is somewhat an expectation that people might have about a I guess a group of persons or a particular group or every person within that group. And it can also be widely held, but, or, or I guess essentially a fixed or oversimplified image or even an idea of a particular group or a person. And when it comes to first impressions, and I know we're all familiar with this, um, it's, it's typically that initial perception of another person, typically involving uh, a positive that we'll always love and sometimes a negative evaluation as well as a sense of physical and or psychological something, right? So on the other hand, uh, a strong belief that someone, that, that something will happen uh, and that, that ties into expectation, that something will happen if I'm around this environment or this group of people or it may even happen in the future if not currently in the present. And I share this to say first impressions is not always the last impression as some cases, yes, <laughs> you know, you, you get the first shot at it and you have to give your best. But yes, people will remember the way that you appear when you first meet them and you have to keep that in mind. So it's important to look, feel and act your best when you meet someone for the first time. And it's not about being phony and it's not about not, you know, it, it's just being about your authentic self. Thank you for what that you question. Was, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, what you said was so empowering. It's all in how you see it. It's all in how you perceive it. It's all in how your support system shows you how to use or utilize your experiences to make you become a better you. Thank you, Janelle Gibbs, for adding so much value, not only to this podcast, but to the community. That being said, let me go to Buddy Thornton, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro. Buddy Thornton, please tell the listening audience a little bit about what you're doing now. You're doing so much. You're doing so much. Give us a uh, snippet of what you're doing now. And uh, before I ask you this question, sir. Thank you for the prompt, Isaiah. Right now, I'm about a third of the way through my second book. My first book is uh, in final uh, production, so it'll be out by the end of summer or early fall from Fulton Books and because COVID gave me an opportunity to finish that book I've also been working on some relationship training and some relationship seminars and webinars and workshops which led me uh, to do a lot of research that's apropos to tonight's topic uh, I coach and uh, I coach mainly about relationships regardless of whether it's in business in uh, home life between parents and teenagers students it doesn't matter what the environment is, the world revolves around relationships, and that's what I do. When people go out to speak, when people go out to do events, people tend to receive you more when they're interested in the life that you live, right? And, and they call it role modeling, right? So, so they, they like your life. And when they like your life, because when I'm thinking about liking your life, I'm thinking sports, I'm thinking bowling, I'm thinking uh, basketball, I'm thinking football, I'm thinking soccer. When they like these, these athletes, when they like what they're doing uh, on 
the, the performance stage, whether it's the court, whether it's the field, they tend to listen more to their perspectives. Let's tell those gifted people that's listening. Let's tell the audience that's listening now. What are some crucial tools for for helping to improve those those listening skills, those active listening skills, those those motivational skills for the people that you are mentoring or you're coaching or even training. That's my question for you, Blake Thornton, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro. The one thing that anyone needs to do when they're in a communication cycle with someone else is they have to make sure that the engagement is both directions. Bi-directional is, is so critical. And you are going to be going back and forth, taking turns. And one side of that critical communication side is pers- perspective taking. So when you're the, on the listening side, you're trying to glean as much information as you possibly can out of that person. And you're really trying to get all the details and you, you, you're already there. You're a committed listener. You want to be there, but you want also, you want them to know that you are trying to get their attention and prove to them that you want them to see you as an interested party as well. So the flip side of that turn taking is perspective making. You are projecting something from yourself an ambiance, some type of quiet confidence, uh, perhaps maybe a little bit of quiet confidence with a, a little tinge of curiosity. Is I'm here to hear what you have to say, and I want you to know that I am completely undivided attention, no distractions. I'm here. I'm listening to you. And the only way I can do that is I have to have a, ment- a mental approach to active listening. Number one, it's a skill set. You have to learn how to read the room. You have to understand the cultural artifacts. You have to understand who's there, who's not there, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And once you get that into your head and you know how you can project yourself into that environment, then you can completely pay attention to what's being said. Not only that, but you can also pay complete attention in a way that you're not formulating preconceived statements or questions. You are actually listening all the way to the end of what someone says before you think and open your mouth. Because the first thing you do when you break a cycle of communication is you start thinking about what you're going to say and you didn't hear everything the other person said. And that's the disconnect that makes it not active listening. It's a whole lot like the question you asked about how do you know when you're over speaking in, a, in an engagement? Well, you're selling yourself, so you're addressing a problem, you're offering a solution, and you can't really inject yourself in beyond what you have to offer. And the way you know you're turning the other person off is you see that first glance off. You've put too much of yourself into the in, in engagement. You need to honor their personal space, but you also need to honor their intelligence. And you need to have less of you and more of them. And you need to project that in your act of listening. You want to make them feel heard. But not only heard, you need to make them feel completely understood. How do you do that? 
Well, you listen all the way to the end of what they say, and then you ask an intelligent question about the topic on hand. You ask for clarification, or you ask for a reframing. Perhaps you contextualize something, and you say, in this circumstance, what if, and let them fill in the blanks, and not only do you make yourself look intelligent, but you make them feel like you've drawn them in, and they are there with you, and it becomes an engaging bi-directional communication it just takes off by itself and the people around you not only will they lean in and listen but they'll also get engaged at that same level and it allows them to feel more comfortable almost like it's a fireside chat instead of some type of a formal situation that's what active listening skills give you the ability to project a professional but very quiet confident demeanor and make yourself Feel like you're honoring them and you're asking them to please honor you back. Hello, Alea. Hello, Impact of Educational and Leadership listeners. Again, thank you for allowing me to be here on this talk among these esteemed speakers. Again, my name is Lamitra Off. I am a leadership, life, and career coach. The individuals that Seek me out as a coach. I coach these individuals into being the best that they can be. And that may include self-promotion. That may include networking. That may be, that may definitely include self-reflection and introspection. Those things are essential. Those are the things that describe me and what I do for my clients and those around me. Thank you, Isaiah. Absolutely. You know, Lamitra, usually I, when guests come on, I, I tell them, like, you know, they remind me, I, I give one word that reminds me of them. But when you, I can't say that. When you, three words come to mind. Three words come to mind, especially tonight, especially during the time that we live in right now. And those three words are one, leadership, two, creativity, and three, networking. Let me say it again. Leadership, creativity, and networking comes to mind when I speak with you. You probably didn't know that, but you know it now. Listen, when I see you out in the field, when I mean by the field, I'm, I'm saying in those different sectors where you're doing your thing, when you're doing your leadership coaching, when you're doing your professional development, right? <clears throat> in that realm, in that environment, how do you, because I see you, I see how you interact. I look at your body language. Could you give us, could you walk with us? Could you share with us what body language means to you? And how, mm. how is body, and how, and how is body language so essential with you when you, when you do your presentations? when you get people to interact, when you mentor, when you coach, when you develop in professional settings. Could you could you give us, could we take a peek through your lens and see through your world what body language and how how you view body language? Oh, definitely. Think about this. You're talking to a person at a networking event and they're looking at the individual behind you, looking over your shoulder, trying to reach someone else, not at all looking at you. How do you feel? Probably feel 
not heard, not seen, and not even considered among the first things. You may even feel that that person is rude, inconsiderate, and showing a lack of personal or basic courtesy. Essentially, body language are the nonverbal signals that we use to communicate. There are facial expressions, there are body movements, there are things that we don't say. However, people pick up on that. People consider body language to be the foremost way of communicating with anyone. It's 60 to 65% of all communication. The words we say make up the other 35 to 40% and how we say it. For me and my communication style, my body language includes at least three things. First and foremost, it's a smile. A big smile showing all my teeth in many cases <laughs> or sometimes a subdued smile. It also includes laughter. As far as my clients are concerned, I may have even told those that are seeking out coaches, those that I have discovery sessions with, that if you are not a person is essentially adverse to laughter, you're not the client for me because I like to laugh. And smiling is a part of laughing. Secondly, as far as body language is concerned, when I'm talking to anyone, my upper part of my body is probably leaning slightly forward into not the other person's space, but leaning forward in the fact that I am listening intently, I'm listening actively, and I'm listening to hear what the other person is saying. That being said, eye contact is the third thing. The third thing is that I'm not looking over their shoulder. <laughs> I'm not looking at for someone else. I am looking at the person, not staring creepily or like a creep. I am looking at the person with a smile and perhaps even nodding to show that I'm truly listening. Now, active listening also includes listening and asking questions related to what the individual said, as opposed to mirroring or asking or even playing back what someone said. It's asking deeper questions to say, to convey that you have actually listened to what an individual said. Body language can be helpful based on your perspective. Body language could be not helpful. Ideally, that answered your question in a way in which I shared my experience and potential examples of a way that facial expressions and body language could perhaps be misconstrued. Wow, I like how you took a complex question like that and you simplified it and you broke it down. You broke it down so well that even a, a sixth grader, a seventh grader, a fifth grader could understand that. What I heard was the effects that goes into a perception. What affects your perception? That's what you talked about. And, and those abilities, those abilities, 
there are linked to those perceptions. Oh, wow. I, I, I love that response. I love the response. Why well, I love the response? Because you talk about body language and how body language is, support, is, is really affected by influence. And these influences are, are affected by your support system, how you developed on every layer. And we're talking about pulling back layers here. <laughs> I'm gonna have to pull, I'm, this was not planned. I, I'm just flowing here. I'm gonna have to pull from Buddy. I'm gonna have to pull from Buddy Thornton, the positive change agent pro, because I'm, I'm gonna need to hear what he has to say as it relates to the value of what you just shared with us as it relates to those key uh, successful elements uh, of, of the ability to communicate with nonverbal cues. Um, thank you. Let me talk off. I'm going to come right back to you. But thank you so much for adding so much value to this podcast. Buddy Thornton, let me, I need to pull from you real quick <laughs> because what Lamitra just said was so good. And I need to kind of synthesize it. I need to kind of mix this thing up. And I want to hear on, on like a finer, I want to fine tune what I'm hearing from Lamitra with your perspective. So with that being said, what are your thoughts about what Lamitra just said about those body languages that are those dead giveaways of, about how you are receiving the information and that's the feedback that you're getting from the communication that you're receiving from those individuals that you are contacting or, or that you are interacting interacting with. What's, what's your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, Mitra gave an extremely accurate portrayal of exactly what the advent of communication should be. And one of the problems in today's society is digital communication has removed the majority, if not all, of nonverbal communication, which leaves us with a very asymmetric, off-center aspect of communication. We don't have all those clues. Humans are in tune with reading the room, reading the other person, and being able to see not only with their ears, because they can process as rapidly as they can hear, but they also need that input from their eyes. They have to be able to see exactly what the body language and the facial expressions and connect all the dots. It's actually like when you look at a house, you don't see a door, you don't see a window, you don't see a roof, you don't see a wall, you see a house. So when you're communicating, you need to have all of the clues and the nonverbals are so much more important than the verbals because take away the nonverbals. Someone can say something, but without you having the attenuated ability to read the nonverbals, you have no way to know if they're being honest, dishonest, if they're trying to lead you down some type of a tangent that you can't recover from. You need the nonverbals to build a sense of trust. Humans depend on relationships and communication is what drives trust and builds relationships. So regardless of anything else that's said in this podcast, Lamitra was dead on when she said, you've got to be able to embed yourself in the communication by reading the nonverbals because at the end of the day, they're far more important than what you hear. 
they are definitely a huge part of any part of communication. Glory. Dropping gems of wisdom is so crucial. Why is it so crucial? Okay, I'll tell you. We're in the middle of a shift. Not only a shift in education, not only a shift in business, <laughs> mankind is shifting. This pandemic has caused man to evolve. And it's conversations like this that's gonna help us, that's gonna support us successfully in this shift. You know, Buddy Thornton, words cannot express how much I love you, man. And respect you and honor your assignment in this earth realm, your assignment on this planet. Please show yourself without overdoing it. Because sometimes people will, they, you know, they give an elevator speech, but then they keep going, they keep going. And they're, they're already sold. They already have the buyer sold, but then they'll oversell themselves. That hey, we need someone to come in here to, to teach our staff on how to become a better you. What would you say if they gave you an opportunity to come in and give like an elevator pitch? What would you say to them? I know I'll catch you off guard. I know I'll catch you off guard. <laughs> but I mean, what, what would you say? I would say, hello, my name is Lamitra Off. Your employees, your group, your organization, or your team loves Fridays. They live for Fridays. What would you say if I would be able to help them to make every day feel like a Friday? That's what I would say. And that would pull them in. Because self-promotion is essential in our as Buddy said, our fast-paced digital world of instant gratification and seemingly constant promotion on social media, face-to-face, and any other media. Self-promotion is the discussion, right? Before we talk about self-promotion, however, and essentially that's what a elevator speech can be considered of can be considered self-promotion. Before we talk about self-promotion, let's talk about self-reflection. Self-reflection is the cornerstone of learning for adult learners. Self-reflection is also important for success, growth, and development. Ideally, with any self-reflection, you have a baseline and you learn an active role in your learning, in your awareness, reflecting on topics, concepts for your professional and perception and personal life, because your personal life and professional life are intertwined in today's telework environment, remote work environment. That being said, you consider this, everyone on this call, everyone listening consider this. When someone sees you and you're in a networking event, a networking event, someone walks to, to you and they start talking about themselves and then they ask you, tell me about yourself. What do you say? How do you answer 
tell me about yourself. Whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, you are a brand. You are a brand. There's a brand called Isaiah Drone. There's a brand called Buddy Thornton. There's a brand called Jamil Gibbs. We're all brands. And when we walk outside, when we're in society, when we're on a podcast, a talk show, we're presenting ourselves, consciously or unconsciously. How you promote yourself, present yourself, depends on your level of comfort, depends on your values, depends on how proud you of yourself, depends on how you feel about yourself and what you do. It also depends on what you think people want to hear. Think about how you answer the question, tell me about yourself. Is it authentically you? Or are you excited when you hear your response? Or are you intrigued? Does it give you energy? Consider those questions. Consider all those questions when you are prompted to give your elevator speech, networking speech, or any of those little speeches or self-promotion activities. What's yours, Isaiah? Listen, this is another impactful night of the Impact Education Series, episode 96. Nice families were Lamitra Off, Buddy Thornton, the positive social change agent pro, Mel Gibbs, and Angelique Benoit. Good night. <laughs>